the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back in to The Bruce Hulby Show. I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network, joined in studio by Bob Clegg. He's a GOP strategist and, as Mark Weaver said, the smartest strategist in the state of Ohio. Oh, quit it. And I I 100% agree. Hey, uh, Ohio Senate Bill 83 is also also called the Ohio Higher Education Enhancement Act. Now, it cleared the upper chamber, the Senate, in May, and it's now headed toward a House vote, maybe, after the House Higher Education Committee passed the bill by a count of eight to seven on Wednesday. Now, among the many provisions in the education omnibus bill is language that prohibits state higher education institutions mandating diversity, equity, and inclusion training. The press won't tell you that. They're going to tell you that it's banning diversity, equity, and inclusion training, but it's saying that you cannot mandate the training. The measure also forbids higher education schools from endorsing or opposing what the bill calls controversial beliefs or policies, including issues like climate change, politics, foreign policy, immigration policy, marriage, abortion, and diversity, inclusion, and equity principles. The good news, we have the primary sponsor, the crafter, the creator of the bill with us right now on the phone line. He is State Senator Jerry Serino. He's a Republican from Kirtland. Uh, Senator Serino, welcome back to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me this morning. Hey, it's an honor to have you, and, and thank you for agreeing to join us. Hey, there's a lot in this bill. I, I called it an omnibus bill in the article that I just read from that I published yesterday. Uh, so without going into the weeds on all the, the nooks and crannies of it, remind our listeners why this bill is so important at this juncture in the state of Ohio and in America. Well, that's a great question, and I think if, if, if one were to start from the position that everything is actually great at our universities uh, uh, and, and there are no issues and there is a balance of thought uh, welcome on our campuses and that students of a liberal or conservative uh, viewpoints have the freedom and the comfort and the encouragement to state their opinions, then I guess you wouldn't like Senate Bill 83. But we all know that there is tremendous research that tells us that those those are not the facts. With today, on our campuses, they are clearly extremely left-leaning, both at the faculty and the staff level. Their policies are left-leaning. They have embraced DEI. Uh, it is mandatory for not only for students, <clears throat> excuse me, but also in the hiring process. They are performing litmus tests. You cannot get hired. In fact, you won't even get an interview, very likely, at most of our universities, unless you complete a form and fill out uh, uh, some information that uh, tells about your experiences and your views on uh, DEI. Uh, We don't have fiscal transparency. Uh, We don't have um, uh, cogent policies on 
uh, accepting grants and things from China for representatives of, uh, uh, of the CCP. Um, so all of those things tell us that, look, minimally, we should have on our campuses what I would call a diversity of thought environment. Mm-hmm. And what we have today, what we have today is is a uh, a monolithic thought environment, and it is liberal. And that is not a good environment for our students. Our families and students should not be going into significant debt to get that kind of education, and we need to fix that. And Senate Bill 83 is not the, it's not the final solution, but it is a, a great start towards continuing to reform and enhance our higher education in Ohio. The act is aimed at increasing transparency. You mentioned that it would allow students, parents, taxpayers to know course content, reading materials, individual professors, but it also gives them a, a cost breakdown for tuition, which is super important. But isn't isn't the case in point here? I mean, two things have happened in the last couple of weeks. Number one, uh, a former congressman or he's still a congressman, but he's going to retire and take over as president at Youngstown State University. The uproar was immediate. Uh, the press went apoplectic and said, this guy's a Trumper. He's a conservative. He's alt-right. There's no way he should be running a university. Okay, so let's put that one on the table. And then let me go over here and grab, I don't know, any handful of instances where I, I don't know how else to call it what it is, which is people essentially screaming and yelling that they want Holocaust 2.0 happening on college campuses. Doesn't right. this speak to the value of your bill? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I introduced the bill on March 17th uh, before we, we saw the obviously the uh, uh, Israeli uh, uh, Hamas issue coming out. But but clearly and Wall Street Journal, I think, had a nice article today and they've done some previous articles about drawing a connection between how DEI, which creates victims and perpetrators. Right. And you're yeah. either in one or the other categories actually has been extremely um, a part of and has facilitated uh, it's been facilitated by uh, by uh, the, the DEI training uh, and, and that is the reason why many of these so many of these students who probably don't know anything about the history of the establishment of Israel and in the Palestinian issues probably couldn't find um, you know uh, Gaza on a map if they had to uh, but but as long as uh, they can identify with the victims and, and identify that Israel is the perpetrator. Uh, they're comfortable uh, uh, in, in supporting Hamas unbelievably to us. So, y- yes, I, I think the current events since October 7th have really served, I think, to, uh, to really make it even more clear than it already was why we need these kinds of reforms on campus. And, the, you know, the people running our campuses, you, you mentioned – uh, Congressman Johnson's appointment uh, to Youngstown State. I think he's going to be a great president. Yep. And, you know, we have, I've gotten to know in my position as chair of higher education in the Senate, all the the 14 presidents of the universities and all the 23 community college presidents as well. And I can tell you that I think the, you know, what, what we need to see more of are people like Johnson and Jim Tressel, before he retired, mm-hmm. these were people who were not academics for their entire careers. Uh, when, the, when the president of a university comes from the history of a faculty member, maybe to being a provost, to then becoming the president, uh, they are a part of 
I think, just inherently a part of what has caused us to get to this point in higher education in the first place. I, I'm excited at the prospects of Ted Carter coming in as the new president of Ohio State. Yep. Um, I've spoken with him. Um, he's not a dyed-in-the-wool you know, academic person. He has a great military background, which we, which we certainly have to respect. Uh, and so the more of these presidents that we get that understand uh, business and understand some of the, uh, uh, the issues that, that sometimes will put them at odds with faculty, uh, I think we're going to be better off for that. Now, 83 does not address how we select presidents, but what, what, what does matter is the trustees who we have to uh, provide uh, advice and consent on, uh, the appointments for trustees mm-hmm. for all the universities in the Senate. Um, we can make a difference by communicating to the trustees more directly uh, what, what their fiduciary responsibilities are to pick presidents who are not necessarily going to be coming from the faculty. And this bill would require uh, – it would, it would mandate trustee training. It, it would also require that universities and colleges create mission statements that contain a commitment to the First Amendment and diversity of thought. Only about 30 seconds here, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but do you believe – that this will see the floor in the House, and if if not, why not? Uh, I do. I believe it will, and um, I'm reaching out to the Speaker uh, to to go through the bill, and, 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 you know, he's got a lot of bills to look at, so maybe I can help uh, understand this a little bit more so he's not just reading the dispatch and trying <laughs> to understand what this bill is about because that's obviously not balanced. But uh, whether it gets there next week is, our last, is the last session, uh, or even in the first quarter of next year, the fact that it is at least passed the committee in the House was a major milestone. Yeah. And uh, we're not going to give up trying to get this bill into law. I believe we have great support uh, from the governor's office and the lieutenant governor. Uh, and so we just need to get past this hurdle here. And I believe there are 50 votes in the House Excellent. to pass this bill should it get on the floor. That's great news. State Senator Jerry Serino, Republican from Kirtland, thank you. For unpacking everything with us today. We appreciate you. I'm coming in. Vivek Ramaswamy was coming in hot last night. Uh, Ukraine was the first uppercut that he threw. He said, hey, why don't you name one of the provinces where you want to send our our sons and daughters to fight and and finance and, and send tax dollars to deer in the headlights. And then Chris Christie tries to step in, and then he says, here, let me give you a left uppercut. Why don't you name one? Chris Christie couldn't. Um, <laughs> I understand Vivek has some personality problems, but he also does some really key things. He was able to talk about why we need to untangle from China, uh, the interwoven interests of big business and big government and how those two need to divorce. Because let's face it, public-private partnerships are socialism slouching toward communism. And both parties do it. Uh, Nikki Haley, to me, lied about what she said regarding whether there should be prohibition on minor gender transition. And we played it yesterday three times. I played it again today. Now, Ron DeSantis, I thought... Looks good. I don't I don't think that he's at Vivek's level, but he did a couple of key things. He talked about his record in Florida, which is solid. And then 
he stood up and said, you do not have the right to abuse your kids. He said in response to Chris Christie saying that he would defer to parents on the issue. And then he leaned back on Nikki, pushed back on Nikki Haley and said, you know, in Florida, I signed legislation banning the mutilation of minors because it is wrong. And so he kind of shut her up on that, too. So I thought he stood really strong on his record and had a couple of moments where he said, no, 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 no. This is not how it's going to be. Now, he did say there's going to be a new sheriff in town a couple of times. That sounded a little bit (laughs) overplayed. And then Chris Christie, let me just say this. He's the timekeeper. He's the moderator. Look, I'm going to answer the question. And then he talks for two minutes about how other people aren't listening to the question. Never really gives you an answer. Criticizes Ramaswamy for insulting Nikki Haley. Then proceeds to cuss at him twice. Call Donald Trump a bitter, vengeful man. And then lawmakers in Congress jokers. He is the epitome of talk and rhetoric. Is he selling a book? Why is he on stage? Okay, that, that's my take on, <laughs> on the GOP debate. Bob, uh, okay. First off, why is Chris Christie even there? Um, he is. He reminds me of a former uh, Ohio governor that uh, enjoyed being on Sunday morning talk shows, and they're only out there to try to be relevant so they can be on those kinds of shows. That's what Chris Christie is to me. Yeah, uh, Ron DeSantis. I'm biased. I like him a lot. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I mean, if Donald Trump wasn't running. I'm all in on Ron DeSantis. I just really like him. I think he's one of the few candidates that can actually point to real accomplishments. Yes. Now, both uh, Haley and Christie were governors, but they don't have that uh, volume of of things that they can point to during their terms like Ron DeSantis has. So I'm I'm really biased in, in, in that respect. I thought it was interesting that, you know, Chris Christie wanted to go back to um, 2000, 2001, September 10th, September 11th, you know, that was one of his key talking points. It's a long time ago. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so it, it to people, your point, I, I don't think, go ahead. No, go. I, it, it just, it smacked of being irrelevant to me. And, and I hate to say that because September 11th is something we will never forget. And it's something that was horrible. But I feel like if that is, is if that's the drum that you're beating, yeah. it, you got a problem. And you're right. It's it's a long time ago. Uh, it is, though, a very important moment in our nation's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as relevance in the 2024 election, um, Israel, Ukraine, that's a lot more um, that's a lot more relevant. So I got to tell you, my wife, I love her. She likes Ron DeSantis, too. But she said he slouches too much. <laughs> he slouches too much. And, you know, Vivek kind of has that posture. And, 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 and Ron always has this look like he's smelling something bad while he's st- <laughs> standing on the stage. He does. He does. But as far as record, I saw a bit of Ron DeSantis last night that I haven't seen since the COVID response. When he would, when he would walk in and kick butt, take names, take no prisoners, no holds barred tell you how it was, tell you how it was going to be, what he was going to put up with and not put up with. I felt, I felt like he lost that edge a little bit in the first three debates. Yeah. I think it came back a little bit last night. Are you surprised uh, that Americans for Prosperity has hitched their wagon to Nikki Haley? And do you think that will make a difference? Mm, not really, because that's the, uh, you know, the Koch brothers and, and 
they're more establishment. You know, that's they're the kind of the Republican establishment types. They were never all in on President Trump. Uh, And I mean, so it didn't really surprise me. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I felt like we were talking about this over the break. Nikki Haley has had a couple of instances she could talk about abortion. I think she did the right thing on abortion. I think she bunted it down and said, look, we fought for 50 years for this to be a state's rights issue. It's a state's rights issue. That's that's it. I think that's wise because the Democrats have two things, orange man, bad and abortion. That's it. Um, but she kind of did the same thing again last night with the trans issue. Yeah. You know what? We're, uh, the government shouldn't be involved in it. The government shouldn't be involved in it. And we talked about this. You look at the marijuana issue. You look at issue one, the radical abortion amendment in Ohio. That's the same thing the Democrats have been saying. Yeah. The government should not be in your business. She she kind of sounds like an establishment Republican. Well, it's – yeah. And it's kind of like politicians that um, – and the, the, the liberals always do this, the Democrats, the liberals, where – you know, they don't want government involved in just certain issues, but they want them involved in a lot more issues such as, uh, you know, wearing masks and shutting down our schools. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, when it's for what we want, we want the government involved. But if it's for something, you know, else that that the other side's trying to do, then no, government shouldn't be involved. So I'm going to ask you one more time who won the debate last night. Oh, I think, you know what, Donald Trump, once again, because he wasn't there. I'll tell you, the smartest political move he has made so far in his campaign is not to be at any one of those debates. And it infuriates Chris Christie Oh, because Chris Christie has so much ammunition, he wants to spend standing next to Donald Trump on the stage and he just can't do it. No. And I thought that was kind of his... Uh, is that the denouement or the, 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 the down after that, the downslope last night when he just kind of kept kvetching about everything yeah. and then he's trying to insult Trump and it's like you don't really have anything. No. And what he's trying to do is replicate what happened in 2016 because it was always said that it was because of Chris Christie that Marco Rubio couldn't advance on. And I think he loves that idea that he, you know, he's a uh, uh, East Coast thug and I think he loves the idea of bringing down a fellow Republican. Yeah. And I think he wanted to try to replicate that with President Trump. But President Trump's smart enough to not let him do that. 30 seconds left, Bob. Anything you want to leave our listeners with today? No, it's just that um, Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. And right now he's beating Joe Biden. Do you think Joe Biden uh, will be impeached? Uh, Yes. Do you think he'll be convicted? No. Okay. Do you think that'll be a stain on his character enough that he loses? Uh, I think just the way he does his job as president is more than enough to make him lose. We are singing from the same hymnal, the same page, the same line on that one, Bob. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. It's been a blast. Love having you in. Thank you for listening. Hour number two next. We're going to kick it off with Bob France. So stay tuned to 98.9 FM. The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.